Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Now I've said this before, but if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to leave us a review. We'd love to know what you've been thinking of the show. In today's episode, Inside the Huddle with us, we've got a fantastic guest. So here ready to help us to move the ball is Frank Murphy. Frank is a former wide receiver who played college football for Kansas State and was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL Draft. During his NFL career, Frank played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Houston Texans, the Miami Dolphins, and he also played for the CFL and the UFL. Beyond football, Frank has been a life coach, TV host, author, motivational speaker, and he also runs an organization called Mentoring with Purpose, which we'll talk about. And Frank is constantly engaged in the community and supporting programs that educate and empower others to realize their dreams. Frank, thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate having me. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited for us to chat. So let's start out talking about with you playing football. So in high school, you had a great football career, won numerous awards uh, as a running back and return specialist, including All-American, All-State, and Player of the Year. Talk to us about how you got into football and your journey uh, from high school to college. Well, I think football was an avenue for me to um, release. Growing up in an environment that I was in, um, I think I needed a release. And sometimes I, as kids, you know, with that 11, 12, 13-year-old kids, we try to find a place that we can be comfortable when we're trying to get an opportunity to express ourselves. So my mom and dad put me in football and that was a great decision simply because of what my environment was offering me was not a good offer. Gotcha. And so you started off playing college football, community college. So talk to us about what it was like playing community college football and then transitioning to Kansas state. Well, I think it's a big move because you're going against now physically bigger players when you're talking from the athletic standpoint, but also it's a bigger campus, it's more students. So physically, mentally, emotionally, man, it was a big jump. But I think, you know, I had good coaches in junior college, a good system in place, so it made it a lot easier. And then going to Kansas State University under Coach Bill Snyder, which was the head coach at that time, he did a very good job of helping us transition into the bigger schools like a Kansas State University. So I believe that um, it, it wasn't easy, but it became easier because I had the right people around me. Great. And was there anything that the coach really uh, shared with you that helped you to become a better person as well as an elite athlete? I think we all learn in different ways and different forms. But I think for myself, I learned by visual. One thing that Coach Snyder did and his staff, they led by example. Yeah, they would get on you and things of that nature, but they led by example. And that, that worked good for me when I see a coach be a man of his word and a coach tell me something and he do it. You know, that type of stuff stood out to me the most. Like I say, everybody learned different. I learned through the actions of the coaches at Kansas State that really helped me grow. Also, they have those talks with you as well, but nothing stood out more to me but the actions that the coaches took in front of me. And part of why I love football ever since I was a kid was that it really teaches people how to tackle challenges, overcome adversity. Can you share with us a time 
in your life while you were in college that you had to maybe overcome some adversity and how football was able to help you to do that? Well, I think it's so many times and opportunities that you get to use your experiences of, of playing in college football, high school, junior college, or even NFL. Those experiences make you stronger and give you a balance on how to handle problems and attack problems from different, you know, different angles. A time for me would be I got suspended in junior college, got in trouble, made some bad decisions. And because of those bad decisions, I got suspended for the whole year. While I was sitting out that year, it really was hard to see all my teammates and friends play and practice and lift and, and get ready and play games. You know, it kind of wore on me. But I took the mentality of I wasn't prepared for the opportunity at the time. And that's the attitude I took. And I began to implement the stuff that I had to do to become a successful football player in high school and start implementing that same thing in college, which means I had to work harder than the next person, not just on the field, but off the field as well. So I began to take on that demeanor of working just as hard off the field like I worked on the field. And that gave me an edge of making better decisions and putting myself in a better situation so I can be successful and play the following year. And so let's talk about you playing in the NFL. So you were drafted sixth round 2000 NFL draft. What was the biggest change from you going from college to the pro level? Well, several changes for myself. I think the first thing is I was kind of crushed a little bit because I, my draft stock dropped because of bad decisions that I made growing up and hanging with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things at the wrong time. And because I found myself incarcerated at the age of 15, and yeah, and then I was 21, 22 getting drafted, they still look back on my record, which is your resume. <laughs> so they look back on that, and it hurt when they told me that I don't know if we can even draft you. That really made me dig deep in my faith. It made me really dig deep in what my parents taught me about believing in God and making better decisions and working harder and making sure I think about things before I do it, that it can ruin your life. That stuff started to stand out to me more than ever when that scout, that NFL scout told me that he don't think I can even get drafted. So going into the NFL, you know, dropping in the draft was disappointing. But at the end of the day, it worked out the way that it's supposed to. Everything still panned out. I still ended up getting drafted when they said I wouldn't get drafted. And, and then I stepped into the NFL. And, yeah, everything was much faster. When I talk about the football part of it, bigger, faster, stronger it was. And it wasn't even funny how fast and bigger, stronger these guys was. So, of course, I ran a 4-2-1-40 and jumped a 42-inch vertical. So I still got the record at Kansas State. And I say that to say because – if I'm walking into the NFL with that type of speed, that type of vertical, and still looking around and like, whoa, <laughs> man, most of these guys are fast, if not all of them. Most of these guys can jump high, if, if not all of them. Just imagine guys that didn't have that speed that I had and broke the records that I broke coming into the NFL. It was a big change. And then off the field, I think it was even a bigger change because you had so many things pulling at you, so many people, so many businesses pulling at you, so many, you know, even females pulling at you. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And you had to try to stay focused and still stay on the team and make the team and play good to be on the team. But you had those distractions also pulling at you. So you got money. You can do what you want to do, kind of. You got people pulling at you. You got people filling your head up. Oh, you're the best, best thing since sliced bread. You know, you hear all those things. So I think you really – 
had to, you know, you really have to be strong and put a great circle around you to be successful. And that's what I was blessed to do. I didn't learn the first couple of years that I made a lot of mistakes the first couple of years in the NFL, but I began to learn valuable lessons. Some of the most important lessons I learned was life lessons. You know, they say that NFL stands for not for long, but I think that NFL stands for necessary fundamental learning. <laughs> because if by being in that position and on that platform, there are so many things you have to learn fast because you got so many people pulling at you, so many organizations. Like I said, you got females pulling at you, and you actually are free. You got money to do what you want to do. You got people telling you that you're the best thing since sliced bread and all those things that are telling you this, telling you that. So your head is getting pulled, filled up with so many things that you have to really be balanced on that platform. And I had to learn that after about two years of, of mistakes. I had to learn that on my own, and I began to put the right people around me so I can make better decisions. And I think that's when I started really to grow and really become the man I am after a couple of years once I learned I can be out of the league just like that. You know, I can be broke just like that because nobody really cares about you as a human being. They mostly care about the logo you wear on your helmet. They care about what team you play for, how many touchdowns, how many tackles, and all that stuff there. So I had to balance that out and realize that that stuff was fantasy. So I had to come into a place of reality, and I became more educated and aware of how people was viewing me. I didn't play into that spotlight thing anymore. Gotcha. And I like that you say it stands for necessary fundamental learning. I've heard the not for long. And for those that are listening that aren't familiar with this, I mean, the average NFL career is, is about two years now. So it's not very long, but I do like how you frame it because there are so many lessons that you can learn from being in that environment that are just critical for being successful off the field as well. Correct. Correct. And you have this motto, believe it, claim it, work it out. Talk to us about what that means to you. Well, throughout my NFL career and doing my nonprofit organization, 501c3 charity, I also train athletes, men, women, kids, and things of that nature for some years. I know for you to be successful at anything, you're going to have to come to the conclusion of, I have to believe what I'm doing. Believe in what I'm doing and believe in myself, the one that's doing it. And a lot of people talk a lot of stuff and talk a good game, but they don't really believe it. So if that's not your foundation and say, hey, I believe what I'm doing, I believe in myself, then you're not going to be successful. So I said, you have to believe it, then you have to claim it. Claim it means you just have to say, I'm taking possession of it. It's mine. No matter what adversity I go through, no matter what somebody else say, no matter how many people hate on me and don't believe me, I have to claim it through all the bad times as well as the good times. So I have to speak it. And then after you believe it, claim it, now go do it. Work it out means action. I mean, you're going to take some form of action to be successful in that thing that you believe in and claim it. Because without action, it goes nowhere. You know, it stays right there and it sits right there and the spotlight stay on it, but it does nothing for anyone. So believe it, claim it, work it out is something that I came up with. I've been using it to motivate others for a long time now. Oh, I really like that. I completely agree with, with everything you said. It, it talks about you have to have that belief, that confidence in yourself that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And then to me, claiming it goes to taking ownership over it, right? You, you call it possession, um, but you have to take ownership over what it is that you want, and then you have to take action. You're not gonna, you're not gonna move the ball forward if you don't take action, right? So that's uh, that's fundamental. Right, and a lot of people forget that though. A lot of people actually think they can talk their way, or finesse, or run game, and tell people anything, and they'll end up being successful. It 
don't work like that. You know, I couldn't just finesse my way in and talk a good game to get drafted in the NFL. I had to work my butt off. I'm talking about I used to get up 2 o'clock in the morning, go to the track. I remember that. I remember I used to go right after work. I had a job in the summer. I would go right home, get dressed, go straight to the track, to the weight room. I mean, I put in work. I, a lot of times people think this stuff just falls in your lap. Like, no, just because it sounds good when you say you played in the NFL or the lights and the glory that you get and the attention that you get and everybody want to be famous and popular. But behind that, it's hard work. And I think a lot of times people forget that, no matter if it's sports or life or entrepreneurship. I think people forget that and think that it's just going to fall and you're going to have this lucky day. I totally live by hard work, dedication, and it really pays off in the end. I always say hard work pays off in the end. Absolutely. So you also have a book. It's called The Man Behind the Helmet. Talk to us about what inspired you to write the book and share with us a little bit more about it. Well, when I got into the NFL, it was one of the chaplains that came in, and that chaplain, he kept saying, man, you need to tell your story. I heard your story. Coach Dungy told us about your story. My head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would tell the chaplain the story of, you know, how I became drafted, how did, how did I end up still making it to the NFL. And I was kind of nervous to tell my story. I didn't really want to tell my story because I was nervous and embarrassed. But that chaplain said, Frank, people need to hear your story. You made it. You're successful now. You beat the odds. And he said, people need to hear that. Young people need to hear that. Your peers need to hear that. Your teammates need to hear that. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I started a little bit telling my story. But the time that really stood out the most, that really motivated and intrigued me to tell my story is when I played for the Miami Dolphins. And I'll never forget this day. We always have a room by ourselves, always, the night before the game. But this time, the hotel overbooked. They made a mistake. So we had the room with someone now, one of our teammates. And I was all kind of upset. I was like, man, I don't want a room with nobody. I want to keep the tradition the same. I want to have a good game tomorrow. So I really want to do the same thing I always do. So I was kind of irritated. Then I walked in the room and he had my bed, the bed that I usually choose. So I was like, oh, man, this is really messed up. Because, you know, athletes, we like to keep everything the same. You know, wear the same, different, you know, socks, put your, your lucky wristband on. You know, you want to keep everything the same. So he kept looking at me when I got in the room. And I said, hey, man, you okay? You know, I see you staring at me. He said, how did you do it? He said, man, I read your story in the newspaper, newspaper, and, man, how did you do it? How did you break through? He said, because, Frank, I need your help. He, he said, man, I'm on cocaine every day, Frank, and I need your help. And here I was the whole time trying to think about myself and upset because I had the roommate, but God was doing a divine connection, and it was destiny. And I got a chance to mentor him, life coach him, and tell him how I did it and just talk through stuff. And, man, I met him about a – Six months to a year later, I met his family, his wife, his kids. They were so happy. I knew after that day, you know, I knew it was time for me to really do something different with my story and really help others. And that was the time that really stood out the most to me, to write the book that's called The Man Behind the Helmet, God of Second Chances. Because we all need to hear some motivation and something that's going to push us to make better decisions. And, and sometimes we just don't know how to do that. Sure, that's a great story. And I'm so glad that you, you had this experience. I do believe that there are experiences that we don't look forward to being a part of, but there's a bigger purpose that we're there. And right. this was one of those, right? So that I just, I just love that. Thank you so much for bringing that into this conversation. So let's talk real quickly about uh, your, your organization, your charity. Talk to us about why did you create it and who are you serving? Well, Mental on Purpose Charity was created 
to really just be able to go into the communities, the neighborhoods, and display different programs that I felt that, that was needed, that was forgot about. My goal is to bridge the gap with life skills learning because I feel like life skills, how to handle anger, how to find your purpose, just basic stuff is looked over. I believe the system is doing a pretty good job, and I take my hat off to different charities that does education, but I feel like we have forgot about life skills. So I'm big on life skills. That's why I created programs like, of course, The Man Behind the Helmet, where we do the educational stage play. We're writing a movie now here in Atlanta, and the educational stage play is telling my life story on the stage at the schools. Also, the program called, you know, Keep It Real Curriculum. I presented that program. It's a great curriculum program. We're turning it digital. So now people can take it on their phone, on their iPad, computer. Now it's easy to, to access now. You know, those type of programs is what I've been doing under the Mentor Purpose Charity nonprofit organization because I feel like if we can do that, if we can help in that way when it comes to life skills, we can change the mindset. And then kids will begin to, our youth will begin to understand that they're not just potential. See, potential is still potential till you do something. Absolutely. Yes, it's about taking that action, like we talked about earlier. And then tell us, where can people learn more about MWP? Of course, they can go to www.mwpcharity.org. Charity is C-H-A-R-I-T-Y.org. Um, they can go there and learn a lot about what we do, why we do it and how to get involved and how to connect with us. We're in Atlanta and Tampa, Florida. So um, I feel like that if you want to volunteer in any capacity, if you want to learn, you know, why we do what we do, where we're doing it, some dates of us doing different events, then go to the website, stay in contact with us through the website, email us, call us, and we would love to plug in with any corporation, companies, and even individuals. Great. And we'll be sure to have that in the show notes too. So if you're in the Georgia or Tampa Bay areas, please check out the website and uh, would love to have you get involved. So what I want to do now, Frank, is I want to just go through my two minute drill questions. I got seven fun questions to ask you. You ready? Ready. All right. First one is, what is your favorite food? I think I'm a pasta guy. Okay. Any particular one? I'm an I'm a Alfredo guy, pasta Alfredo with chicken and, and shrimp and sometimes steak in it. Okay. How about what's your favorite movie? Um, I'm an action movie, and I, I kind of like gangster movies as well, like the Al Capone movies and stuff like that. Okay. How about what's your favorite professional sports team? It's always going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and second is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars because I'm born and raised from Jacksonville. Okay. Great. What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? I got so many, but I, I said I'm an action guy. So I really like the way Coach Tony Dungy, how to be a man of character and integrity. Uh, he displayed that before us. It wasn't fake outside the locker room. Then he was another way in the locker room. No, he was all the time walking in character, you know, and I, I really appreciate that from him. Yeah, that's great. Now, how about what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? You have to figure out, you know, what's the plan for your life? If your purpose goes to the graveyard, you just cheated the next generation. Your mind has to be focused on the next generation. That's called legacy. So thanks again so much, Frank, for being on the show. Any last thoughts for our listeners? No, I think that, um, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it for the opportunity. Thanks for the platform to tell my story. And hopefully it definitely 
help other people that listen. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure hearing you share more about your story and all the wonderful things that you're doing out there to make a positive impact and to really leave a legacy. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks again to everyone for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also, join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.